Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Welcome to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley filling in for Tom today. I hope you're enjoying a beautiful, warm Phoenix day, thoroughly Phoenix. And we're having one of the native sons on the program, a man of God who travels the world, Marty Caldwell. Marty, welcome back to Koinonia. It's uh, great to be here. It's always great to be in Phoenix, even when it is pure blistering hot. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Well, Marty... Um, I want to get an update in this program of your travels around the world and what you've seen God doing, because you, as the International Director of Young Life's Ministries, have an opportunity to influence and motivate and, and actually bear witness to what is going on. Then we're going to talk about some of the things the Lord's speaking to you personally, how, how you feed your soul, because a lot of believers in this valley just sort of seem to not take it quite as seriously as they maybe should. So welcome back. Where have you been lately? Well, uh, actually just back from Prague in the Czech Republic. Uh, that honestly was a historical meeting for Young Life. The first time ever the senior staff, which are our key position in multiple geographical areas, like there's a regional director for mm-hmm. the state of Arizona. There's a regional director for the nation of Ethiopia, a regional director for the nation of Ukraine. Well, all of the regional directors from outside of the United States met in Prague about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And so all we've... How many we've, folks are you talking about? Um, 40. And these are all the senior staff. Yeah. These are people yeah. that recruit, train, and deploy the local leadership and staff of Young mm-hmm. Life in each country. So this is Ethiopia meets the Ukraine, meets Nicaragua, meets Singapore, meets India, oh, wow. meets... Uh, Uganda, Zimbabwe, and Northern Ireland, and then a few people from the United States. And that's my group. So I have this privilege of multiple languages, multiple cultures, multiple countries, and yet the common bond of Christ and the common mission of reaching young people for Jesus around the world. And so I think it's those a those guys privilege. loved connecting with each oh, other. Phenomenal, because um, while... In general, most of my life, I've, I've kind of counted on mm-hmm. English to understand things. The last 10 years of traveling around the world, I've learned that you can communicate a whole lot about the gospel, prayer, worship, and even understanding in fellowship without the language. And so we worshiped in uh, Arabic, Swahili, Haitian Creole, Spanish, obviously, Portuguese. We sang some Hindi songs, some some uh, Russian songs. I mean, it was really phenomenal. And though you don't understand every single word, uh, sometimes because of the tune. the same songs in their language worldwide? I mean, are, you, are there common songs that you find? The, that there are the... certainly hymns of mm. the faith that uh, the historical kind of like the Wesleyan hymns yeah. or the, the hymns of the church over the last couple hundred years, those have been taught by missionaries worldwide. Mm-hmm. And so now you can recognize the tune yeah. and a little bit of the rhythm, yeah. only you're you're hearing it in yeah. Russian or Swahili. Right. Right. And there is a joy, kind of a revelations 
five, six, and seven joy of every tribe, every nation, every language, every tongue submitted and worshiping Christ. And I, I get that privilege all the time. Wow. Marty Caldwell's my guest. Um, he's international director of Young Life. We're going to be talking with him about what the Lord's doing in some of these nations and how you would address an international group of leaders, what some of their common concerns and needs are going to be, and much, much more. Stay tuned. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley. My guest is Marty Caldwell. Marty, you just hosted an international gathering of top Young Life leaders from around the world. Marty, when you get those 40, is it men and women or almost yes, all men? Yes, it is, men okay. and women. You get those 40 men and women together in a room, and they're, they're connecting, you're worshiping. What are some of the messages you want to bring to them what are some of the issues that they bring to you that are common? That How do you approach that kind of a gathering? Well, I would much rather talk about the things that they bring to me and therefore to us because, honestly, I think that the church around the world has a lot to give to the mm-hmm. United States and the church in the United States and, by the way, young life in the United States. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll lead with their number one is courage, and, mm-hmm. and I mean courage about the gospel. Um, we have places like Bangladesh or Somalia or Kazakhstan or Indonesia where it is really dangerous to be a believer. It's Especially really, a believer in ministry yes, where a, you're taking exactly. some ground, a right? A believer where you are communicating Jesus mm-hmm. to teenagers mm-hmm. – probably from families. They might be neutral in the moment, but when the community surrounds them, they're going to cave in, Mm -hmm. and you may turn out to be the enemy. And I'm always trying to talk these people into a, you know, you know, be shrewd and be wise and be discerning, which I think they are, but they're far more courageous than they are discerning. I'm far more discerning than I am courageous. And Mm -hmm. so I I go, okay, I want to be around you because I I want to learn to act courageously. I might be fearful on the inside, but I know that courage and faith and really trusting Christ is is what we need in our country to live radically and fully and passionately for him. And they do this on a daily basis, partly because there's no alternative. They, they don't have another way to go. You it's can't all really do ministry without courage in those no. environments. You can't. And this is where we've seen our greatest miracles. We, we've had some of our leaders interviewed by the local authorities and told not to do this again. And they end up kind of saying a little bit out of the book of Acts, well, um, we'll try, but we're compelled 
yeah. that the word of God must be spoken, and that's his call on our lives. So we're going to do it in a loving, respectful, religiously contextualized way, but we're still going to talk about Jesus because we have to, because we believe teenagers need to know about him. Well, it's and it's not just paranoia, obviously. We, one of my friends who's been in Kashmir, living in Delhi, ministering in Kashmir a lot, which is the region between India and Pakistan. His name's Greg Watt. His primary disciple that he led to Christ that was his right-hand man for years um, took like 11 bullets and was killed a year or so ago, and it shook Greg to the core because then he's, there's a widow, and then there's all the kids, and then they don't have a dad, and they don't have a social safety net of income in that culture, and it's just huge, the the risk. Uh, I was really naive as a young pastor here in Phoenix, and I th- might have told you this story where there was a, a girl who came into our congregation. She had been an au pair. She was pregnant, out of wedlock, through because of the the corruption of the immigration system. She slept with somebody to get a visa. And uh, she comes to Christ in our church, and, and she's grown in the Lord. Her her visa runs out, and we say, go back. God will protect you. And and when she got back to Sri Lanka, they beat her with an inch, within an inch of her life. Mm-hmm. The baby was killed, and uh, she just about died. And, and I felt very responsible for being a naive leader mm-hmm. under those circumstances. Well, we, we want to be wise. Uh, and like I said, I, I have the desire for both to be wise and discerning as well as courageous. And it is a balance, and this mm-hmm. is where we need Christ and we need community and we need great training. And and, uh, and yet we have people that are in really vulnerable places. And like I said, they're the ones that lead in courage. Well, I follow them rather than yeah. they follow so me. S- tell us a few of the stories that you heard in your recent gathering. Well, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually not even going to give you the country, although okay. you were in the neighborhood that mm-hmm. uh, you just mentioned. Uh, but one of our leaders is getting ready to do a young life camp. And actually, they call it something different in this country, yeah, but yeah. they keep YL as their <laughs> symbol. That's part of their way of being shrewd and discerning. Um, and they were getting to do, going to do a camp. And uh, this family... Um, Heard about it. They contacted kind of the local thugs, the radicals, and uh, they literally surrounded this man's house and they were going to burn it down. The other parents of the kids called the police. The police came and they surrounded kind of an inner ring with mm. the parents around this house and they just outweighed this crowd, which was really, wow. they, they were going to burn his house down. And uh, the 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 thing that we had going for us one the holy spirit but two the local parents said well okay we're, we're not christians but we trust this man and he plays soccer every day with our kids they love him they trust him they have a friendship with him we know he's good we don't agree with his belief system but we know he's good for our teenagers and we want him protected in our community um, so isn't what, that beautiful? And, and isn't that a fulfillment of the scripture where the Apostle Peter said, you know, do those good works because they it, it will silence the accuser, basically, I'm paraphrasing yeah. it. You know? Well, and, and, and they were of a different religious mm-hmm. faith. The, these were, were 
more moderate, the radicals of the same faith, but they were really ready to burn his house down. And it was the community who he had earned the respect with and built the friendships with their teenagers and been trustworthy. They go, no, we'll protect you. And and uh, they really was a, a long night, and for me, a lot of nervous emails. Mm-hmm. And in the morning, uh, how's it standing? Everybody, but that okay. doesn't mean dangerous pass forever no, by a long doesn't. shot, huh? It, it doesn't. And we we tell them, would you be a little quieter, a little more uh, shrewd and discerning? And we don't have to have meetings. We don't have to have Young Life camps in order to communicate the good news of Jesus to teenagers. We can do that one-on-one. We can do that in the coffee shop. But we gee, can do that almost sure anywhere. helpful, isn't it, Marty? Yeah. That's just the thing, to see, for a young kid to see the love of Christ in a fellowship. Yeah. That's the most powerful witness and testimony there is. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, this now circles back to the question you asked when we got started. Uh, the power of love across culture, across national boundaries. Think of this for just a minute. We had the Ukrainian director with the Russian director. Wow, that's huge. Okay, you don't really need to read the newspaper very much to know, hey, the Ukrainians right now hate the Russians, yeah. and the Russians actually don't have the true story about the Ukrainians. Right. But to see They've them, been lied to. to be them arm in arm, mm-hmm. praying, crying out to God for teenagers, crying out for reconciliation among their nations, courageously desiring kids to know Christ in both Russia and in the Ukraine, well, you go, okay, this is something different. This is This yeah. is no longer politics. This is no longer good social gathering. This is the power of the Holy Spirit to unify believers across political and even warring uh, factions in a country. And this is where you see the gospel being lived out. Amen. I want to I want to um, hit on that theme for just a minute, because unfortunately, I think oftentimes um, patriotism, nationalism, racism, and a bunch of isms trump the gospel in our culture. I mean, that's why you could have born-again believers on both sides of the Civil War, the North and the South. Right. That's why you can have – I mean, it's the it, – we all taste it. What We root for the Cardinals. We don't root for the Seahawks, even though the Seahawks may have a, a born-again quarterback in Russell Wilson. And I, I know Carson Palmer, he loves the Lord. But even if he didn't, we would still root for the right. Cardinals, right? Right. And, and when there's a war, when there's a battle, people have a tendency. And, and somehow the gospel has to overcome that in our hearts. We have to live for eternal values um, the same thing happened in the World Wars. In World War I, they would stop on Christmas Eve in trench warfare sometimes because the Germans and the British were singing Christmas carols. Right. And that's that's wonderful and tragic simultaneously. It is. The one thing when I started this job, Stephen Diane Larmy, that at that time lived in Ethiopia, now they live in Tanzania where Africa's just really in, incredible movements among young people mm-hmm. across that continent. And uh, Steve told me, and he had, he had lived in Ethiopia at that point about four or five years. He just says, every African that he meets with tell him, tells him this, um, you as a Westerner living here, never forget tribalism is running 
in the background of every conversation, in every gathering, in every document, in every meeting. So remember that. The gospel trumps tribalism, but if you aren't aware of the tribalism that has to be dealt with, then you'll miss it. And, and it, will, it will take over whenever there's a threat. And so it's constantly talked about our unity is in Christ, and Christ reigns supreme over all tribalism. Well, here's all we've learned is there's tribalism everywhere. That's right. That's and right. it's in Central America. And by the way, it's in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. It's in the Ukraine. And it's in Vietnam. Is where I get with my subgroup, and we're really the only ones who belong and have the answers, and we've got it. And, and it's just waiting to exclude or dominate someone else. And the gospel has to be bigger than and, all and, of those tribalisms. And that's why I think uh, immigration became such an ugly issue after the economic downturn, 2008, 2009, because in our culture, unfortunately, money is often the God. Right. And and I'm fine with you unless all of a sudden I'm losing money and I'm looking for a scapegoat and I don't want to take a chance that one of your kids might go to an emergency room without insurance or something like that. Yeah, well, I, and I do. I think that's tribalism at its core is I'm going to watch out for my group and I'm going to be very skeptical of your group. And, of course, we know Jesus is bigger than right. any tribe and his goal is to make us all one tribe with him as our chief. Amen. <laughs> amen and amen. Stay tuned to Koinonia. This is an interesting discussion and it's going to even get better. We'll be right back after these messages. Koinonia, this is Mark Buckley, and my guest is Marty Caldwell. Um, Marty, give us a little, a, a few reports that, that have stuck in your heart from some other things that are happening around the world, either from your travels or from your recent conference. Well, I, I want to share one from uh, Holman, our country director in Nicaragua. He's, he's a perfect young life story, uh, slum kid. Uh, met Jim Hornsby, who lived in Matagalpa, Nicaragua. This is about 20 years ago. And uh, met Jesus at a Young Life camp. Uh, w- when you say camp, you should just think of a flat spot mm-hmm. on the ground and a tent. 
and a, a fire roaring, which is not the usual camping program for young life yeah, when you think of the United States. But it's, it's more just, of the young basic training yes, or yes. something. Uh, yeah. But he met Jesus, uh, didn't know a word of English, mm-hmm. uh, and then just began to grow. And we, we've watched him in particular over the last 10 years just become a man of God and a good shepherd and a good leader and a leader of a huge staff, and they actually now have developed a Young Life camp in Nicaragua that's phenomenal, and thousands and thousands of kids have met Christ really? there. Oh, wonderful. And, uh, yeah, that's actually one of now, our how best. how did they get funded? Uh, they We bought a coffee farm uh-huh. now about 20 years ago, and uh, part of the land we cleared, mm-hmm. and we left the coffee plants up, and these local coffee farmers taught us how to grow coffee, and then they kept growing it harvesting it. We've had some of our friends in the United States go down and say, wow, this is phenomenal if you'll mm-hmm. just do this and this. And now we have a coffee company called 41 and Change uh-huh. that sells coffee that funds virtually all of the ministry in Nicaragua. Wow. And uh, also is kind of a Young Life favorite because Young Life was um, – birthed in 1941 Mm -hmm. so when we say 41 and change if you know young life it has a little bit of a double meaning Uh and it's phenomenal shade grown fair trade nicaraguan coffee that we sell here in the united states and with wins awards and it funds all of the ministry and all of the the campership that kids uh, go to this camp la finca in, Uh in nicaragua if you're ever down there you should go visit we'll put a We'll put a cup of coffee on for you. But Holman uh, was in Prague, and this is really the first Mm -hmm. time he's ever been outside of Central America. So he's just blown away by the beauty, the architecture. But what really grieved him was the number of churches, beautiful, historical, empty buildings Mm -hmm. with beautiful uh, sculptures and art and stained glass windows. And he, we went on a little prayer walk and he walked by one of these beautiful buildings just outside of Prague. And it was, the door was chained up and padlocked and he could see inside empty cobwebs, dusty. Mm -hmm. And, but, but he said clearly they had just enough money to maintain the outside. Mm-hmm. So the sidewalks were swept, the trees were trimmed, it looked nice on the outside. Mm-hmm. And he came back to the group and he just said, okay, I, I'm grieved that the church in the Czech Republic is like this. And I wonder, how did that happen? But I'm grieved for the church in my country. Is that how we are? And then he said, he looked at all of mm-hmm. us and he said, but is that also us where we're chained up, our doors are closed mm-hmm. and we're maintaining the outside but empty and dusty and pretty vacant on the inside. Well, let me tell you, the the group of these worldwide leaders was very silent, Mm -hmm. and we had a quiet prayer of cleaning out our own Mm -hmm. hearts and Mm -hmm. opening our own doors to the Holy Spirit. And again, this is the the Nicaraguan, uh, the boy from the slum who leads the whole world of young life in that moment because he speaks truth and he speaks truth in power and in unity and centered on uh, it's always about forgiveness and it's always about repentance and it's always about having our hearts right before Christ. Amen and amen. And that's why you and I have given our lives to trying to make disciples, right? Because a, a disciple raised up and gifted by God can fill a building and it doesn't even matter if a disciple's preaching if he's preaching in a barn or preaching in a cathedral it's nice to have the nice building 
But um, without a disciple, all the buildings are pretty empty and pretty dusty. Yeah, and and when you think about the check, I I did a little bit of reading before I went because it was the first time I'd I'd gone there. Most of my travel the last 10 years has been Africa, Latin America, and Asia. Mm -hmm. And Young Life uh, combined those with the northern part of the world and made five divisions, Greater Europe and the former Soviet Union being the new ones for me. So I had to do a lot of learning about Armenia and the Ukraine and Russia as well as Czech Republic and Northern Ireland. It's been a a good learning experience. But the Czech Republic, kind of under communism, the the church was crushed and emptied out. And now it's a nation of atheists. And while that on the surface is discouraging, we see it as an opportunity that why Young Life is growing around the world is um, the good news about teenagers wanting something different from their parents is when their parents have lived in an atheistic culture. Yeah. They're, they want to know, is there something more is to life more? Yeah. than just living? What about these buildings that are on the corner? What about these statues? Oh, they're yeah. nothing. They're just old ancient history. They don't mean anything. Well, teenagers, they want to know more. They want meaning yeah. as well as belonging, and they want significance. And here we are with good young life leaders in the Czech Republic, and we awesome. have this vision. It's going to take 50 years, but we're going to fill those churches back up with people that are 16, 17, 18 years amen old Amen right and amen. I have one of the girls that I helped lead to the Lord back in the early 70s, she and her husband have been in the Czech Republic for almost 40 years now. Well, maybe 35 years, you know, they're totally fluent and they're doing ministry. And But when it was still Czechoslovakia, uh, and she's a very gifted singer and all, I'd said to her, how's the ministry going, you know? And I said, well, why don't you just go and sing some songs about the Lord in a local park and draw a crowd, you know? And she goes, Mark, you can't do that in, you know, under a communist regime. I said, okay, well, why don't you just go and sing some folk songs and draw a crowd and then one-on-one talk to them about Jesus. She's, she said, you can't do that. You can't do anything, anything that drew attention to yourself. She said the people walking down the streets in those days would put their eyes on the ground because they didn't want anything because there's so much secret service, secret, right. you know, police, etc. that that they were just in total bondage as a culture. Which yeah, is that was tragic. a very oppressive regime. And yeah. now that freedom has broken out, there there isn't that much curiosity even among the middle age and older. Yeah. But but again, the curiosity people, a, in teenagers is part of their yeah. it's part of their process and it's part of their nature. And and again, this is why we think the Lord has called Young Life at this time and this place in history around the world, because that's all we've ever tried to be good at, communicating mm-hmm. Christ to teenagers. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And and they will be your leaders will be fishing in waters that haven't been fished. And you're a fisherman, I know. And when you hit the Black River or whatever, and you're the first person that season oh yeah to put a line in the water and and the water temperature's right and uh, the the bait is good you're going to get bites you're going to get more bites than you're expecting you yeah. know and that's what the jesus movement was to me it was i thought we were just really good you know bible teachers but i began i realized in hindsight no we were fishing in in ponds where teenagers had never heard about Jesus in their culture. Right. You know, I mean, some of them had been to traditional churches, but they had never heard songs done on guitar and, and fun fellowship, people their own age and that sort of thing. 
So um, you have another spot. You've mentioned Nicaragua. You've mentioned the Czech Republic. Well, you know, clearly in, in Africa, all of our African regional directors, and, and we're talking uh, Liberia, Mali, Ethiopia, Uganda, Zimbabwe, Tanzania, uh, I feel like I'm forgetting one, Congo, mm-hmm. um, they, you know, we have a little tagline in Young Life, you were made for this, and it's mm-hmm. one of those has about seven, eight meanings, mm-hmm. but the Africans always go, uh, you say that, that's a good tagline, but we say Africa was made for Young Life because community, laughter, a hunger for hope, mm-hmm. these are all things that kind of inherent in any good Young Life mm-hmm. work in any city, whether that's Scottsdale or Kampala, mm-hmm. Uganda. Um, the, the African leadership is this courageous group of men and women, and really wherever they set up, it, you know, we talk about we'll go and get to know names and earn the right to be heard with kids, which usually in the United States, that might take a year for yeah. a group of kids. In in Uganda, it might only take a day. Really? And once you've taken the time to know a teenager's name, they go, you care about me. Adults generally don't care about teenagers. They tolerate them. Well, you mm-hmm. really care. Mm-hmm. Well, that's demonstrated a little bit more quickly. And so our growth in Africa really has been um, – it, it's doubled every year uh, for the last 10 years. Wow. And uh, Now, to, what is the setup? Do you have traditional clubs as well as camps? What What are you doing in terms we, of that? We do, although when you say traditional, you have to keep your mind open. Um, a, a club in uh, Kenya, western Kenya, might be a shady spot under a tree with mm-hmm. a good patch of grass yeah, and so a couple of rocks to stand on mm-hmm. and uh you, you know bring out a, a drum if you have a guitar you're lucky mm-hmm. but once you start having fun and laughing and treating kids with respect and knowing their name they're a very attentive hungry audience and because they've never put jesus and friendship and laughter and belonging together mm-hmm. that's a Really powerful combination for the life of a teenager in sub-Saharan Africa. Wow. A little bit, a little more complicated in northern Africa, yeah. the, the Arabic-speaking cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we have ministry in those places too. And again, there's a hunger for teenagers to be loved by a genuine, authentic adult, and that responsiveness is a pathway to share the gospel. And it is for everybody listening. You want to reach people for Jesus. Show some interest in them. Ask them about their life. Show them that you care. That will be the key to unlock the door of their hearts. My guest is Marty Caldwell. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back. This is Mark Buckley talking with Marty Caldwell. And um, Marty, I'm going to stay on ministry for just a minute, and then we're going to talk about the presidential election because I, I can't 
have a guy of your stature, wisdom, and international understanding here without bringing it up. And uh, I can't talk about politics in on, in our the context of our Sunday services because, to me, politics, uh, apart from the core eternal issues, is something that every believer must decide with their own conscience and how they apply the things the Lord tells us. And if, as a pastor, I try and tell people, you know, who to vote for or whatever, I, I just start cutting our congregation to shreds. Mm. Um, so I'm introducing the topic that I said I wasn't <laughs> going to talk about right now. But um, so you're, l- l- let's, let's go stay with Young Life for just a moment. You just you just had a new uh, international director appointed, not not international, but national director. Uh, yeah, a new CEO president was N- just appointed. He will take office uh, July fifteenth. July fifteenth, and what do you foresee? How will his tenure impact the ministry of Young Life? Do you think? Well, I think it's it's a very uh, wise and a little bit risky move. Uh, he's uh, loves Christ, uh, loves the mission of Young Life, has been involved with Young Life a long time. His career path has been uh, an executive-level leader at Eli Lilly Corporation. Uh, he helped Eli Lilly uh, run their Asia operation and lived in Kobe, Japan for five years. That's when I first met him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he brings CEO-type skills yeah. to the position. Uh, now, that's not to diminish his spiritual leadership, his heart for Christ. It just means his career has been spent in as in the world of kind of the executive level yeah. leadership in a multinational corporation. And the Board of Trustees did a very thorough, prayerful, thoughtful, careful search, uh, which I was a part of. And what they decided was, uh, Marty, we need you right where you are. Uh, we need the other U.S. leadership right where they are. We're in a great place mission-wide, and we're going to bring in someone that has a different set of skills because we've got to get better at some of the more organized, administrative, executive-level, uh, professional development skills that we we haven't been as good at because we've always been a relational mission yeah. and we've grown now to a place where we the the board felt like we needed a leader like Newt Crenshaw mm-hmm. and, and again a good young life background in in everything that he's done but his his professional uh, career has been with Eli Lilly. Well, he's leaving Il- Eli Lilly. I actually think he left Eli Lilly a couple of days ago and is now in this transition period. And uh, Denny Rydberg, who's been the president of Young Life the last 23 years, is passing the baton to Newt. But uh, I-, I spoke with Newt a few weeks ago when he said, Marty, uh, here's my philosophy of leadership. You're in a great spot. International Young Life is in a great place. I'm going to look at you in all of the first few years, and I'm just going to ask you one question. How can I help you reach more kids for Christ and make more disciples? And that's the kind of leader, the servant leader that he is, authentic, genuine, real. So I'm I'm very hopeful. It's a little risky, I think, taking someone, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, that – has not been on the Young Life staff, but he's even handled that part well. And he said, uh, you know, I don't know what that feels like, but I am committed to learning what that feels like and helping the people that that's been their life experience, which has been all of my 
uh, career has been 36 years on yeah. the Young Life yeah. staff. Yeah, and uh, it's different skill sets. You know, business, you have employees. Employees all get full-time salaries. And when you're doing ministry on the local level and often even on the regional level, you're dealing with primarily volunteers, primarily people just making themselves available and uh, mobilizing volunteers, envisioning them, shepherding them, discipling them is very different. Um, and I, I do I do want to say this, because he's been a longtime volunteer with Young Life, volunteer in mm-hmm. college and graduate school, volunteer on a local committee on the national board. He really honors and respects the volunteer leadership in Young Life, which I think is a critical value of us if we're to grow the way we need to grow. There just isn't enough uh, money to pile on, and there, it wouldn't even be wise if there was. The power of a volunteer leader getting to know a high school kid on a local high school campus or in a neighborhood with a kid knowing, hey, the only reason you're doing this is because you, you care about me. And th- that has a power that even the Young Life staff can't carry. Right. We, we're getting paid for this, and that, that uh, it, it's a good thing if we can develop volunteer leaders. But the power of Young Life has always been the power of the volunteer. Yeah. Amen and amen. Um, so let's talk about politics just for a, a minute because many of us have been in a conundrum. On one hand, the presidential race it looks like it's coming down to Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton has always been pro-abortion, pro-gay marriage, pro, you know, all kinds of stuff that uh, somebody like me has a really hard time with because I see it as contrary to biblical values. Donald Trump married three different times, unrepentant about a lot of his past behavior, a business track record of things like Trump University where people are getting burned. And in the name of business, some business people burn people, and they just say that's just business, and they don't take ownership for it, attacking you know everybody from the Hispanic judge to the reporter like Megyn Kelly who questions them. And I just think that would be such a disaster uh, to have a president behaving like that. It'd be so embarrassing. Um, So, Marty, could you just solve it for us, please? (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to give a little perspective. Uh, The first one is about our system. Um, It's really okay to complain about it. It kind Mm -hmm. of is inherent in a democracy that there will be uh, people who complain, and we have a freedom in our country that we get to, and and I honor that and appreciate it, that, and the people that put our nation together deserve our greatest respect and honor because they've allowed for this disagreeable system mm-hmm. to work, yeah. and in the tensions, the best thing tend to come out, and decisions tend to be over time toward freedom and toward honor. It uh, doesn't mean we always act that way. We certainly don't, but we're toward that. Now, because I've traveled the world and I've been You're in getting an, an international other systems, yeah. I really love our system. Mm-hmm. Um, in many places where the the at least the uh, the veil of democracy, the veil of voting 
is available, but where a president wins 99% of the vote, you know that something else is going on, mm-hmm. and it it's more of that tribalism continued. Or if the opposition party does get too powerful, a civil war breaks out or mm-hmm. riots break out related to elections. So, And, and I, don't, I don't mean riots just like a little trouble on one street corner. I mean a whole nation yeah. uh, with chaos and violence and really – uh, the power of fear dominating. Let me stop dominating. you right there. Let me stop you right there because sometimes people, I, I hear make people say stuff like, well, we need to just blow up the system. So let's get Trump in there because he'll blow up the system. I say, you don't understand chaos, violence. Uh, we blow up the system. We could have some major, major problem. All we need is some economic meltdown and we're no more godly in our hearts than a lot of nations where a lot of stuff all hell breaks loose when the system breaks down well and and you read the paper today kenya is having an election and virtually all of the people are very afraid because um, they pride themselves on being one of africa's best and uh, most stable democracies Mm -hmm. but uh, the last election tribal violence broke out and the election was disputed and there were a lot of people that whose lives were put in harm's way and a lot of chaos that came from it Mm -hmm. and not much peace and they're worried about the same thing happening so uh could that happen in the united states actually i actually think it could if we are flippant about uh our uh, and and one of the biggest dangers, um, and, and it talks about this in the book of Ezekiel, why Sodom and Gomorrah was judged. It wasn't just sexual immorality. It was pride. Yeah. It was their arrogance. And pride, whether it's how we treat our poor neighbors to the south, how we treat the aliens among us, how we treat one another, even and in our elected officials, if we're... Um, Proud and and it's very dangerous, very very yeah. dangerous. Um, so I I do like our system, and I'm I'm very fortunate to have been born in the United States of America. I vote every single election Amen. since 1972, and I will vote in this election. But uh, this Not is my easy one right my now. personal opinion. This is the most difficult election that I've ever been connected to, and I really find it impossible to vote for either of the two candidates. I I really don't think that I can in good conscience because I think I owe it to my grandchildren. They are going to say, okay, Grandpa, back in 2016, what did you do? And I I really cannot vote for either of these candidates, and it grieves me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will still go to the voting booth. The down ballot matters. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know who I'll vote for for president, but I do know who I won't vote for, and it's neither of the two. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting, Marty. Here's the way I approach these things. I think part of our system and part of our responsibility is to argue it out in advance. But once the election's final... I don't care who the president is. I'm going to honor the president, pray for the president. Because when they said honor the king, you know, they were talking about emperors and kings that, that were had a, a pretty dark streak in all of them. And they still honored them because of the importance of civil order to propagate the gospel. I don't think the gospel goes forth better in an environment of chaos. I think right. that civil order is very, very important for the uh 
development of what God wants to do on well, there. and I, and I do think this election cycle we have lost a little bit of our civility. Mm-hmm. We've a lot lost a, a little bit of, of our respect yeah. and our level of, of shame. I, I think we need to bring some back just to, <laughs> yeah. to bring back a little bit of humility and civility because y- right. you can disagree with me and we can still be friends and we can still respect each other. Amen and amen. We're going to wrap up this program when we come back. My guest is Marty Caldwell, International Director of Young Life. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Stream. Stay tuned after these messages. Wrapping up this program with Marty Caldwell. Marty, uh, a young man asked me, or uh, a guy asked me the other day, what are you reading lately that's speaking to you? What are some of the leadership books that you've read that have spoken to you that you like to pass on to a young leader? Well, I I am uh, slowly but surely uh, reading Dale Bruner's commentary on John. Hmm. Uh, I think it's about 1,600 pages, so there is no... I just, I just, yeah, it's I, deep just waters, huh? I just read, uh, uh, that one's, you know, probably going to take me a couple of years, but it's just this rich treasure because it's a, though, though it is a commentary and it's about every verse, uh, he's a scholar and he's a pastor. So these are all sermons and verses that he's preached over his 40 year career mm-hmm. Uh, some of which began as a Bible study in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And he began to teach the Bible to these Filipino pastors. And after about a year of him giving his very, very best, um, he realized he he wasn't making any difference at all. And so he started to listen to them and use their analogies and, and contextualize the Gospel of John in their world. And this, he says, taught him to be both a scholar and a good shepherd. Wow. So that... That's a great heart. That's a great combination. Uh, if you read uh, his commentary on Matthew or on John, and really you have to make a commitment. These are long, but but you can read them a couple of pages at a time. And I, I'd recommend Dale Bruner's commentaries to anybody that just wants to know Jesus and the Bible better. Amen and amen. Well, Marty Caldwell has been my guest. I'm Mark Buckley, one of the pastors at Living Streams. If you ever want to meet with us um, at Living Streams, look us up on the web, livingstreams.org. We're on the corner of Central and Glendale, 9, 15, and 11, every Sunday morning in all kinds of ministries, literally 365 days of the year. Marty and I would both appreciate you praying for us if you think of us. Uh, We want our lives to count for Jesus all the days of our life, and we hope you do as well. Thanks, Marty. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening today.